Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Hey, give it up for that team, man. Was that cool stuff or what? Uh, I, I, sometimes you just get in that moment and you just don't want to want to head out, but man, we got some words here, and we got some places to be, and so, hey, this is uh, one of those moments of weekends, of Labor Day weekend, so thanks for joining us. Uh, if you're out literally enjoying and listening to us from far places like the lake, enjoying your summer last moments, um, maybe hiking, or maybe even at the beach, no, we're not jealous, sorry guys. <laughs> so I just want to say, man, we're, we're, we're excited that you're here and you took some time out this weekend just to invest into what we're trying to accomplish and our mission and our vision of how Jesus is moving us closer to him, especially as we dive into today the talk with Love Built This. And so Love Built This has been something we've been doing now for this whole year. We started back in uh, March and April uh, on this journey, and we just want to take some time and just invest into before we dive into the fall semester completely. And I hope as you walked in, you're at least able to grab one of these cards from some of the guys that were handing out some of these cards. It just going to allow you to see a sneak peek of where we're going. And maybe for you, you're just like, oh, I really want to know more about that. Uh, that's, that maybe that's one of those moments of clarity for you that you, that's the season that you're going through right now. And, it, and hopefully you can maybe even communicate that to somebody else. But it's going to allow you to know where we're going this fall so you can communicate to others around you what we're about to do. But next week, literally, we're going to talk about what would Jesus not do, right? Because we got those little WWJD bracelets back in the 90s. Anybody, come on. Anybody with me? Come on. Somebody, somebody, yeah. I even got the t-shirt, y'all. I bought it. So uh, I did not get the tattoo, though. So, you know, because I like James. So what would James do? So he's all those moments of clarity. But I don't know. It was a bad joke. But uh, next week, we're going to jump into this subject called what would Jesus undo? So watch this. see, during Jesus' time here on earth, Jesus was interested, he wasn't interested in token gestures, you know, he, he, especially with religion. Uh, and so he didn't care about the outward behavior. Uh, he shook up anyone whose faith, faith was lukewarm, uh, and he brought hope to the broken in ways that could change their lives, uh, especially to the lost, those entangled in, in, in sin by showing up to them and, and showing them what true worship really looks like. You know, in this next series, as we dive in next week, and I hope and hope you'll be here and you'll bring a friend because this is going to be huge for our community. We'll go beyond the simple slogans, those catchphrases, what it means to follow Christ, and open ourselves up literally to discover the knots in our lives that Jesus wants to undo. And I think we can all lean into that one, that we can live an authentic life in Jesus Christ who literally changes everything. And we want, we, want, we want nothing more for all of us to be uh, in a better understanding of the roadblocks that keep us from Jesus and to remove those, those areas, those gray areas, those, those, those gaps, right? Those gaps from our spiritual walks. And so as we just dive into this, we want you to just dive in with us in this fall semester as we renew this passion for Jesus Christ in a way that literally can change lives.
And so I pray next week you'll at least consider being here. And, uh, and I'm just excited about it because it's, it's, it's a game changer as we dive in for our fall semester. Now, if, you've, if you would have asked me a couple years ago, and literally, you know, let's just go back 20 years ago, uh, about being or becoming a pastor, right? Becoming a pastor, I would have I said, there's no way, man. There's not a chance in France that I'm going to become a pastor. Uh, even though I grew up in church and I grew up in a local church here, um, and I'm from, born and raised here in Danville, Kentucky, um, but if I'm completely honest and transparent here, I, I had dreams and desires, inward desires of becoming a commercial pilot, a commercial airline pilot, and, and to fly those friendly skies, right? And, I, and, I, and honestly, I went on to achieve those dreams. I, I became uh, a commercial pilot in, in college, and, and I started flying a lot. And, but this is what I would say. You know, I began my career in that. But when, when God gets a hold of your heart, when God just really leans in and challenges you and, and allows you to, to change what you care about, it changes you. It literally changes you. We, we've said it this way from day one, and this entered my heart back in the, literally, I can say the 1900s. But, you know, I know it sounds weird, but, you know, it's true. But, you know, when Jesus enters your heart, how many, by the way, how many can say the 1900s? Anybody in you? Okay, see, you know, I'm not the only one alive. But when Jesus enters your heart, everything changes. Everything changes. When Jesus enters the house, it changes. Everything. There's no denying it. There's literally no denying it. And since that moment on the airport runway when my life took off, literally, when my life took off in ways I, I would never dream possible with Jesus, years later, I now live my life advocating for him. I live my life advocating for, for who he says he is. It's amazing. Isn't that odd? Think about it. I'm spending my life and in investing everything into my occupation, which is trying to convince people that there is a God who loves them. That, that, that the God sent his son, Jesus, which we cannot see, but he speaks to me on a regular basis. And, and he, can, he can, has completely changed and altered my life and turned it into something utterly amazing. And I know it's crazy, right? It's just, he wants to do the same thing in your life, though. He wants to do the exact same thing today. And I don't believe in just coincidence. I believe you are here today for a divine reason. And some of you are like, man, I am so done with religion. I'm so done with just everything about God. I'm just here because of her. I'll take that. Thank God for her. I know and I trust that God's doing something. And I just can't explain it. But what I do know is when he gets you and he moves you, you can't shut up about it. What I just watched on stage just about 10 minutes ago was the truth. I watched a, a lady share just a little small glimpse of who she says God is. And a couple of years ago, she would have never done that. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And I believe he's trying to do the same thing through your story. You see, for years I thought just going to church was honoring God, singing some songs, doing life with people, going on mission trips. And, it was, and that's all he wanted from me. But, but that one moment when Jesus took a hold of everything and I surrounded it with those people who are like-minded, 
And even my most inward desires, he adjusted what I wanted and we began to see and adjust our focus together. And we saw, so we just actually began to see people. We saw people where they were. We saw hearts where they were at. And he started to give me relationships for the very first time that were Jesus formed. And he, now when he does that, get ready. Now for some of you, you're thinking, I'm crazy. I've lost my mind, right? And, I, and let's just be honest, I've already been named a fruitcake by the people at the Hub some days. But, you know, in my head, when I know that I'm supposed to share something and speak truth and I actually argue in my head when I am saying it to you, like, do you really believe that? Do you really? And it's like one person in here is going, yes, yeah, I do. And the other person is going, no, you don't because you don't even do it. Right? Do you really believe in Jesus and the power that he holds just through his breath? Years ago, I might have said, well, it's, it's in the Bible. But now for me, my eyes, it's undeniable. It's undeniable that how I've been able to see him at work in ways that only he would get the credit for. And I have more of a passion now than ever to see Jesus, what he does best, which is reveal his love in ways that multiplies to the next person and the results in in people experiencing his his holiness in a way that changes life forever. You see, we've been involved now here with Centerpoint for for more than five years. But in some ways, I fully believe we're just now getting started. And he's revealing who, who is supposed to be a part of this as we, we, we utterly are amazed at those next steps of what love built this looks like and seeing changed lives that what? Come on, say it with me. That changed lives. But before we get there, I think we have to do something. And for some of you today, this one thing could, could change everything. This, this one idea could, could literally allow us to move from here to there and create that ripple effect over to the next community. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting over at my office, which is the hub. I love their, 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 rent, their rental agreement. I get a cup of coffee, so it's, it's good. Um, but, you know, I was over there hanging out and, and doing some work, and, and this guy just sort of stopped in and just started talking. He said, he said something that sort of caught me off guard, but it's, it's not uncommon nowadays because it just, it, the shoe fits. But, you know, he said, hey, you're that preacher man, that tall, bald preacher man. I went, maybe. I've never been called tall and bald and preacher man in the same sentence, but I'll take it. Um, and then, first of all, I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't say it. You know, it was the other guy. And, but, you know, then we started leaning in, and he just he started telling me all about stuff in life. And, and then he just he, he started saying some things about, you know, church. And his language, he, he really caught me off guard because uh, he, he was asking for some things. But he, he said this phrase right here that, that really got my attention. And he said it over and over again. Like he wanted to let me know that he, he did this. And, and this phrase was this. And the phrase is, I go to what? I go to church. He said it over and over again. He must have said it a dozen times in literally a minute. I go to church, I go to church, I go, just to let me know that I go to church. And I began to listen to him. And then he, all of a sudden he said, man, hey, can, can, can you pray for me? I was like, sure, what, what's, what's going on right now? And he, he said, can, can you pray for, for me and my family because his relationship with his son wasn't very good? That his job was coming to an end, that he'd be able to find a new job and it would work out financially for them. 
And he actually started to confess some things that were very personal. Almost with a tear in his eye, he was really just pouring his heart out. And, and so I just leaned into him and I just said, man, can I ask a bold question here? And he said, yeah. I'm just going to go really forward with you and just be straightforward. I don't know what else to say, but when was the last time you were in church? And his answer to me, I, I, I sensed it, but I wanted him to share it. Now, he started going, well, you know. Was, and then all of a sudden, just vomited out. He said, Easter. I said, Easter? Really? E- Easter? His answer was Easter. And at that moment, man, it was like pfft, everything just started going off like crazy in my brain. And, 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 it, and it, it got awkward. It really got awkward. At that very moment, I could have very easily, you know, comforted him and enabled him in the situation. Oh, it's going to be okay, and we're going to trust God, kumbaya, you know, I could have. It'll work out, and the words that we say around here, especially as pastors and the culture, the religion that's around here, it's going to work out, brother, right? I could have said that, but I didn't. It's just the nature in me, I didn't. If you know anything about me, don't come to me asking for compassion. It doesn't happen, all right? That's something I'm working on. I'm not perfect yet. Ask my wife, okay? So I I try to work on that one, but it's not in there yet. I am still working on that. There's an old song I grew up on. He's still working on me. Okay, he's working on the compassion part. But yeah, he looked straight at me, and I just said, um, I hate to say this, but all of a sudden, it was like God just began to move on my lips, and, 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 and something just hit me, and that's when my strategy of how to deal with this guy completely just changed drastically. And now I will say that we did pray. We, we talked some more, and, and, then, and then I told him something that he probably wasn't expecting to hear. It, it's the very same thing that I'm going to tell you right now, today. And I told him, maybe, maybe it's time for you just, you know, to consider this. I want you to stop going to church because it ain't doing you a bit of good. Just stop saying the word. Stop going to church. Stop going to church. You've said it a hundred times to me that even in this past couple minutes. Just stop going to church. And you, it was almost like a deer in the headlight look. Like, you're a pastor telling me to stop going to church? And I was like, yeah. What kind of church do you go to? I was like, I'm in the loft. I don't have a church building. I, you know, I'm above a Chase Bank. It looks different, feels different, church made simple, I don't know. I, and, I, I, and it caught me off guard for a second. But then I just reiterated, stop going to church. And the truth is, it's the same look that you guys are giving me. It's like the deer in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? Stop going to church. This is what I was taught. This is what I grew up in. This is, I, this is all I know what to do. You see, God wants to multiply through you and not absorb to you by just going to church and taking some notes on Sunday. In other words, if it's not in you, it can't multiply through you. So stop going to church. Stop the lip service is what the Bible would say. Seriously, you're wasting some time and some energy when you could be out doing some amazing things. And what I wanted him to see is, is, is the very same thing that same, some of you really need to hear today, this morning. See, God's highest calling for you as a follower of Christ was never to be just to go to church, not to go to a building 
on Sundays and fill up some rows and have a good atmosphere. See, God's calling isn't to, to go to a destination, but, but to be com- conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith. Not just to go to church, but to be planted in the church, to be the church and, and, and a light that can shine into dark areas that could change everything every single day of the week. You see, maybe instead of going to church, it's, it's time to be planted in the house of God. And it's time to become and be the church. I think it would be wise for all of us to, to consider this. You see, in Psalms, there's some language in, in the book of Psalms. And that's where we're heading today. And if you've got your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to it. If you don't know where it's at, just sort of just cut the Bible in half and look at it. It's, it's, you're going to get really close to it. Um, but Psalms 92, 12, um, if you've got your U version, turn it on. Psalms, Psalms 92, 12, but if not, it's behind us on the screen. It says the righteous will do what? Come on, say it with me. The righteous, the righteous will, will basically what? Flourish. The, they will flourish. They will flourish. They will flourish like what? Palm trees and grow strong like what? Cedars. Now, these are some trees that you're probably familiar with, right? Some palm trees and cedars. Cedars of Lebanon, that's what it really says. And this is actually good. This is, this is a good thing. This, they're, they're going to grow like palm trees and like cedars, and they're, and, and they're, they're going to do what? What was it? What's the word they, they were going to do? They were going to flourish. That's right. They're going to flourish. That word flourish is not something we use often, is it? Does anybody use the word flourish this, this, this week? I mean, anybody? Because if you are, you're, you're a smart cookie, I, I, I really don't use that word quite often. I mean, think about it. When someone walks up to you and says, what's up? I'm flourishing. Now, I know what somebody's going to do this week. If somebody's going to use that word in a sentence, go, yeah, I used it. And they're going to look at you like, what? But you will catch them off guard. I promise you that. You, not, you don't go up to somebody and say, I'm flourishing today. They might look at you and think, oh. You know, I mean, it's just, you never know. It just could be a moment of awkwardness. But flourish. What in the world does flourish mean, right? What is, it's, it's a great image, though. It seriously is a great image of what happens when you're planted in the house of the Lord. Or if you're planted in good, good soil. Now, there's some farmers in here, and I know, you know that they probably understand what the word flourish means. But it means, it means this. It means, it means thriving. It means thriving. It means growing. It means growing. We're going to harvest a lot of crops around here, and we've had a lot of rain. We have good soil, and so we've had crops that what have? Come on, farmers, say it with me. They have what? Yeah, we got some no farmers on the front row for some odd reason. I mean, it, it's, it's flourished around here, but it also means prospering. I mean, you, you've seen some great things. It means, means to be a blessing. It means you have the spiritual growth in you that you literally, when you're righteous, when you're planted, you, you're thriving and you, and you start to move. And, and then the psalmist compares it between two trees, like the cedar and the palm. It's, 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 it's almost poetic. Now, now, the cedars are known to be for their durability. I mean, we've seen cedars around here. We, we actually use them quite often. On my farm, we, we use them uh, to actually use them in fence rows. And, and my dad is like, that's, that's a free fence pole right there, son. You better not touch it. You know? And so we'll, we'll go cut it down. We'll put it in there. And, and it'll last for years because of the durability. 
right? But it's also, if you shave off the outer bark, it's actually kind of pleasant to look like, and it also, it's pleasing to what? Smell, that's right. For example, when Solomon built his temple, now we should know a little bit about Solomon and the temple because we've been talking about it for the past four weeks uh, with, with the time is now in the book of Haggai. Or Haggai and he made, he made the columns, the posts, the beams, and the roof all out of cedar because his building was designed to last for centuries. You see, cedar is very durable. Think about it. I know many of you probably have a cedar chest somewhere whether it be large or small, you've probably got a cedar, something that, that's been passed down for you to you uh, beyond decades. It could be even really old. It could be your great-great-grandmother's, right? It's attractive. It smells good. We're, we're being con- compared to, to flourishing like a cedar that's durable, strong, lasting. And then, then it's, we're comparable to like what? What was the other tree? A palm. You see, when was the palm branch of the palm tree used? Think about it. That's right, Palm Sunday. You see, it was a symbol, a symbolic of a triumphal and an amazing entry, and it's a victory. You see, we're flourishing. We're triumphant. We're victorious. We're the victory. Think about it. In the Olympic Games a long time ago, back before gold medals, when, whenever somebody would win the games, they would actually be presented with the palm branch. Now, congratulations, you're the champion. Here's a palm branch. Can you imagine Michael Phelps, by, by the way, with a bunch of palm trees in his, instead of the coat medals? I, just, I got a kick out of that one. I'm sorry. I, I thought about that. But no more gold, just a bunch of palm branches. Yeah, look at all my palms. Just sounds funny. Back in the day, though, that's what you wanted. You wanted a bunch of palms. It, it, was, it was like gold. It was gold to them. And, and if, you're, if you know your Bible, just a little bit, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, it was known as the what? The triumphal entry. Here comes the king of the Jews. And so they, what? They waved, say it with me, palm branches. That's right. See, the righteous will flourish. How are you doing this week? Are you flourishing? Are you growing? Are you blessed? Are you strong? Are you stable? Are you pleasing to be around? You see, both trees are also evergreens, which are green all year round. There's life, there's strength, there's victory, there's also fruit. How are you doing? Are you flourishing? Are you blessed? Are you prospering? Are you growing? You see, the righteous will, say it with me, the righteous will what? Flourish. Come on, church, say it with me. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedars of Lebanon. Who will flourish? Righteous. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. What what it does not say is those who are going to church will flourish. It doesn't say just go to church and you will spring up a new palm branch. What it says in verse 13 in Psalms 92, it says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will what? 
flourish. Come on, church, say it with me. They will what? Flourish in the courts of the God. It goes on to say in verse 14, they will still bear fruit in old age. Come on, somebody. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. I mean, who wants to be a little bit older and wiser but still bearing much fruit? Anybody? I mean, this is like dead water right now. This is good stuff. This is solid information, but I don't want it to be just information. I want it to be in you. That means something's got to change, though. They will still bear much fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. And that's why I feel like I'm still only getting started, even though technically I'm on the other side of the downhill spiral. Those who understand that, over 40. I feel young. I feel vibrant. And I feel like I can take on the world because I know who he says I am. I am a child of the one true king. Now, some days I act it. But I believe in it. And I'm ready to charge the gates of hell with a water pistol if you give me one. I'm ready. Because I'm flourishing. I feel it. I'm alive. In verse 15, and it says this, they're going to proclaim it. Thank God for fruitcakes. Right? They're going to proclaim it. The Lord is upright. He is my what? He is my rock. I love it. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they are flourishing. They are blessed. They are prospering. They are connected. They are emotionally engaged in what God is doing. They are making a difference. They're fulfilled. They are flourishing. And it's multiplying through them, not to them. Now I ask the question. Here it comes. Sort of the same question I asked the dude a couple weeks ago. Are you flourishing? Are you flourishing? You see, unfortunately, this is what I feel. Many of you, if we're using this type of language, you wouldn't use the word flourishing at all. Even this week, I've heard it so many times. Even in my own house, if we're just completely honest, I'm spiritually drained. I'm spiritually dry. I'm tired. I'm dead. Instead of thriving emotionally, some would say, I'm emotionally withering. Instead of saying, I'm connected relationship, some would say, I'm a relationship barren or burned. Instead of saying, I am prospering financially with breathing room to be a blessing to others, someone say, I I am financially hurting and I am restrained from doing anything. Are we hitting anything yet? You see, instead of saying, I am fulfilled spiritually and making a difference full of joy so we can see change lives that change lives and build on love built this, some would even say that I am still searching. I am still reaching I'm longing for, hoping for that, that hit, right? That one little, or maybe that, that relationship that you just long for. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's that click. That whatever it is that I don't have, that the world fulfill it. When I'm missing out on the inside because something is not centered or flourishing. 
see the phrase, the catchphrase, I go to church, but I'm not flourishing. If I look around in our communities and I look around, if I can just point the finger inside CP and say, man, if we would just get this, if we would just lean into this, get ready, get ready. We're going to be utterly amazed what God's going to do. You see, those who are planted are those who flourish. So what do we need to recognize? What do we need to recognize? We need to recognize that your life is like a small little seed. What does that mean? That means a seed has tremendous potential if we, we plant the seed, though. There's the catch. You got to plant the seed, and a seed has the potential to grow, to multiply, to produce fruit. But a seed that's not planted has the potential to lie dormant, unproductive, and unfruitful. You see, I've seen seed in, my, in our farmhouse literally set up on the rafters for years, and it just sat there. But the day that the wind or something or me, and I was a kid, and I would throw it over there in the, in, in the manure pile, to be honest. You know, throw it in there, and next thing you know, a week later, it's, it's growing like crazy. It's producing fruit. I've seen it with my own eyes. So therefore, I know it's true. And some of you are just like a seed that's been lying dormant for years, that it has not been planted. Now, that's good preaching, y'all. Some of you are chewing on it right now, just like an old cow. Mmm. I'm okay with that. Think about it. Think about it. What do we know about seeds? A seed can only grow if it's planted. Who flourishes? Those who are planted in the house of God. That's what the book of Psalms says. See, Jesus told this really powerful story too, if you know your word. Jesus told this amazing story in, in Matthew's gospel in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 13, he was talking about a farmer. And he said a sower went out to what? Sow some seeds. Basically, it's somebody who's going to sow some farmland up or to plant some seeds. And the sower was throwing out some seeds, and, and some of the seeds fell on what? The path, on the hard ground. And since that seed couldn't ever take root, the birds and everything else came around the sun and scorched it up and stole the seed. And that seed never did reach its potential whatsoever. It was gone in a heartbeat. And some seeds, other seeds, it actually fell into shallow soil. Really, you know, just a just little bit of good fertile soil on the, on, on the top. And so immediately it spurted up, you know, immediately it just came out of the ground, just ready to go crazy, right? But because the roots never grew deep, when the sun beamed down, it weathered up. There was nothing there when the water came and it just washed it away. It died up immediately. Some started to grow, but then other, but then some other plants and thorns choked the life of the, of the, of the seed out. And, and, and the thorns, everything just killed the emerging plant. And Jesus said it was their worries and the concerns of life that killed them. And, and some people, what I've noticed in my journey is they have potential, but they never go anywhere because they worry. Some start to grow, but then they will fade away. Some start to thrive spiritually, but the worries of life and the concern, the bills and everything else, the struggles, they, just, they literally choke them out. Choke them out. Spiritually, they're done. And as a pastor, I've seen this so many times. 
But then what happens when this happens? Jesus said, a seed that falls on good soil, on good, healthy, fertile soil, it multiplies. It multiplies 30, 60, 100 times. One seed, one seed flourishes because it was planted on good soil. Who is it that flourishes? Who is it? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. That's what the word says. You see, a seed can only grow if it's planted where? In good soil. Now, I tell you that story because it it gets back to this. You see, going to church isn't the same thing as being planted. Going to church isn't the same thing as being planted. There's a real difference, and you might even know it or have said it. You've maybe even said this phrase this morning. Are we going to? Are we going to church today? Are we going to church tomorrow? Are we going next week? Are we going to church? Listen, stop going to church and be the church. I want you to be the church today, tomorrow, next week, as you face what you're going to face. Be the church and watch what happens. You see, when you're planted, you are fully devoted and you understand church isn't about four walls. Those remember our time as we were homeless down at the park, down at Henson Park. We didn't have walls. Only thing we had was each other. I love the depiction of that because back in the day when the early church was moving, literally the only thing they had was each other. They had their story and they had the trusting of the power of the Holy Spirit. Sound familiar? Remember the rain coming in and we just stopped and we prayed, God, we don't have any umbrellas. And, and literally the rain just went, Shoo. it was amazing. It felt just so amazing to be in that moment. We had nothing else except each other, our stories, and the Holy Spirit. And it changed some lives along the way because I know it changed mine. Because God revealed to me when, when he ordains something, he's going to sustain it. He's going to change some lives through it. You see, when you're, when you're planted, it changes everything. You see, what I figured out and what I've learned is that the, the church is a posture. The church is a posture. It's, it's who you are. We don't ask ourselves, are we going to church? It's, it's, it's really not negotiable. In my family, we, we never say uh, this word, are we going to church? We say, we're going to the loft, because that's what this thing is, because we are the church That's how we're discipling our kids. We're we're the church. We are worshiping God every single day. You know, it's not a destination to which we attend. It's an identity inside of who my heart is. And we worship whenever, however, any second we can do it. I love it when the radio plays and we sing songs that we know who we are. Some of the songs that you hear and we sing and we always do, man, we we jam in my truck. I I love the fact that now I get to take my son to to school. If you didn't know, my my wife is a school teacher, and so she's had the privilege of doing that for the last five, six years. And and, and now I get a chance to take my older son to middle school. Now now we're embarrassing him because I'm rolling my windows down and playing some music as loud as we can. We are thumping to some Jesus music on the way to school. He's like, Dad. I'm like, come on, son, sing it with me. It's just funny. But I'll tell you what was really funny. Is this week, um, 
we're, we're worshiping God and we're just enjoying the favor. And we're going to soccer practices in the week. Just, just, it just got kind of busy for me, you know? Um, real quickly, we have three kids all playing in three different leagues in soccer. I know, I, I set my own schedule. But it, it's, it's those, the moments of clarity that you, you take sometimes for granted, but like in my car, I, I love to take them and, and just pour whatever I can into those moments. And so I, I turned on uh, Spotify and the first song that came out uh, was this, this song that we've actually sang before, Pat Barrett's song, uh, God, you're so good. You know, we've sang that song before. And, and, and out of the back seat, my son, uh, Micaiah, six-year-old, he just, he just going after it. Like, he just, God, you're so good. And it was fun. And then Mia chimed in, God, you so good. And I was just so, God, you so good. You so I want to set you up. Come on, I set you up. Where were you all? He's so good. Now, that's what our truck was going like, and we were traveling from Bull County to Lincoln County because we had to go watch my son Maximus play some soccer. And so, you know, that song couldn't have played more than five minutes. And so the next song came out, and it was, it was one of my favorite songs. You know, we had to get a little country in. I love my bluegrass. And, and all of a sudden, you know, it just is what it is. I think uh, Hank Williams said it best when he saw, I saw the light. But, you know, David Crowder was playing, and we're just, we're just jamming, and we're just singing some songs. We're praising God in the, in the car. Sunroof was down. The back window was open, and we're just jamming as loud as we can. And Micaiah's, I saw the light. I saw the light. And I'm just like, yeah, this is good. And all of a sudden, man, without missing a beat, my son sings, Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> And I turn around and went, what? I saw the light. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter. And I said, roll tide, you know. <laughs> it was just a moment of fun. And that's what worship should be. It should be fun. It should be flourishing. And you should be doing it with your families. Not waiting till you get here on Sundays. And I look inward to some of your families, and that's what I see that's broken. You're lying as a seed, waiting to get something that will blossom on Sundays. And there's no fruit. You're barren. You see, I tell you that because there's a word in the Bible. And the word is ecclesia. Now, I didn't really know this word until I got to seminary, and then I thought, you know, that makes sense. And, and what does ecclesia mean? It, it means really two things. It means both a gathering or an assembly. And in other words, if you're really listening and you're understanding, there's, you know, if you're listening on, online, I get that. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with listening online, but there's, that's not the same as being planted in the house of the Lord where, where two or more are gathering together and worshiping in his holy name. It's awesome, it's fun, it's life-changing, and you get to be a part of something that you really can't describe other than just being in the moment. You see, in the same way, I don't want you to have a relationship, a relational connection with my children, right? Uh, or excuse me, I, I don't want to have a, 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 just a relationship connection with my children when they listen to my voice message that I send to them. 
I want them assembled in my car, in my house, because I am their father and we're singing, we're gathered, we're worshiping, and we're changing their lives. Even if we've got to figure out the rest of the song, we're, we're changing their lives. Because the word ecclesia, mean, ek means out. The word ek means out, and ecclesia comes, comes from the word kleo, which means called. It literally means the called out ones. Peter would say it would be called the, the difference makers. In other words, we gather together to be united, together to honor God. We gather together corporately to worship God, to share it with others. There's no denying when we pulled up to that red light in Stanford and we're singing, I saw the light, the car beside us just looked over for a second, but then took a second look. And like, well, there's, that's different. And I went, praise the Lord. They got a little taste of the light that day, sitting at the light. You see, one of our values here, one of our values here at Centerpoint is this. I will be a spiritual contributor and not a spiritual consumer of the church. And what we know is this, the church does not exist, does not exist for us. See, we are the church and we exist for the world and so we will go and be the church in as many ways as we can possibly be every single day. Because why? Because of Jesus. You see, there's, there's a massive difference between going, between going to a building and being plugged into a movement. People all the time come to get filled up and that they're just going to church. But that cup runs really out kind of fast because there's a bunch of holes in it. Almost as soon as you pull away from the parking lot or run down the steps or get out of here, they sang that one song and, and that one line was awesome or even that joke was funny versus that, that moment of being fully devoted, being bold and investing and inviting into others' lives because who you love. Walking across the room and leading others into a prayer because you know internally something's going on. Not waiting for the church to respond, but being the church and moving. Because that's what you're called to do. You see, if we're going to, to, to be really serious about love built this, then we have to understand there's a big difference between going to church and being planted in the house of God. What happens when you're planted? Well, your roots grow deep. Your roots grow deep. And Jeremiah 17, 8 says this. Look at this real quickly. It says, they are like, they are like trees that are planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the waters. When the roots grow deep, what happens? Such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. How many of you right now have some spiritual heat in your life? Come on. Anybody? Yeah. There's some trials. There's some heat. Something's wrong. I wonder how many of you, on the other hand, would say, I'm in a drought right now. I'm in a drought. You see, when, when the roots grow deep, they're not bothered. I'm not bothered by the heat. I'm not bothered by the drought because I'm connected to the source that is greater than any on the surface. 
You see, the roots grow deep, and, the, and that's what actually keeps us together and rooted. You see, uh, I did a little bit of research, and maybe you know this as well, but redwoods trees are some of the, they actually are the tallest living things on the planet of the earth. They literally can grow up to be 30 stories high and, and almost as three stories wide, almost as big as this building. I know it's kind of hard to understand, but it's crazy how big these trees are. How in the world does a tree grow 30 stories high? Now, this is just a three-story building. We got 27 more, y'all. Who wants to walk that flight of stairs on Sunday morning? I'll tell you how they do that. The roots grow really, really, really deep. The root system can go out over 100 some odd feet wide and up to 150 feet down, and then they go parallel. And what happens is you got this 30-story tree going this way, but then they're interconnected this way so tight that no wind or anything can blow them down because they're supporting one another. No matter what comes their way, they've been planted together and they're ready for the storm that hits. They're intertwined beneath the ground where nobody sees. There is a support system that sustains the strength and the growth above the ground. You see, this is what we need to be in the body of Christ with love built this as this firm foundation. We need each other. That's why we say this, don't do life alone. Get plugged in. Start serving. Get connected into a group. And here's what I can guarantee you this fall. I guarantee you will face opposition and you will face a trial. You will have a struggle or you will have something. But scripture says it this way, in this life, you will have trouble. So you will face some sort of opposition. And if you face it alone, you are more vulnerable to burn out, fall away, or give up. Even this week in our family, my wife was going through some things. But through that moment, I was able to call a couple really amazing friends. And they showed up at my house at like 8 and 9 o'clock, y'all, just to come love and pray over my wife. And I thought to me, that's exactly what I'm preaching on on Sunday. That's the church. They had church in my bedroom, y'all. I was like, that's amazing. There's more life happening right there than any other life that's ever happened in my bedroom. (laughs) What? Your your mind went crazy right there, but I'm just being honest. Some of you are like, what? Think about it. It was going nuts because I saw and felt the Holy Spirit in a way that was real. And see, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think that Satan minds you at all just going to church. He wants you to go to church. I don't think he minds at all. The the, the only one who wants you to think you shouldn't be planted is your spiritual enemy, though, who wants you to be isolated because you're, you're isolated on an island, you're vulnerable, and he can pick you off when you're in that moment. You see, we need the family of God and, and I need you and you need me and we need each other and I, and I cannot tell you what our church and our circle groups could do or have meant to us, but praying for us along the way has changed my life. The years have been tough, but we have been encouraged because our roots are being supported by your roots and we have flourished And we have continued on the journey, and that's what happens. And what happens even next is special because our roots produce fruit. 
they grow deep and spiritual. They grow wide. And, and even this week, I, I watched some, some family members come up to me that we've been plugged into, and their kid come running to me and said, guess what? I was like, what's up, man? He goes, I want to get baptized. I was like, well, tell me a little bit about that. And he just said, man, I know who Jesus is, and I want to get baptized. And I said, that's fruit because we're connected. We've seen it happen over and over again. Look again at Jeremiah 17, 8, as we finish this out. With roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered. We're not bothered by the heat not, or worried by the long months of drought that leaves stay green and they never stop what? Producing fruit. They always produce fruit. You see, when we're planted, you produce fruit. So what is fruit? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians, he, he called in the fruits... He called it the fruits of the Spirit. See, it's not our own nature of our fruits, but it's the, it's the nature of spiritual fruit that comes from God about being planted in his garden. In other words, we are connected to the spiritual vine. God produces spiritual fruit that Paul would say is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Some of you are like, I can't say that one. But when you're planted, all these good things come up. They begin to just, they come up naturally. Even if you're in a very difficult time, even if you're in a very difficult season, see, love still comes up. And that's how love builds. That's how love is going to build something. You see, God will use anything, anyone, as long as love is planted. Did you catch that? As long as it's planted in what? Him. In his house. As we center over it, as we point to it, as we live in it. When that happens, love will build something. Because real love grows, it multiplies, and it does something only God can get the credit for. It changes lives that change lives. See, it's my, it's my desire that you just stop going to church. You, you, stop, you stop going to church. I, I don't want you to go to church here anymore. It's a tough one really would like to worship with you on Sundays. I want you to stop just going to church. I, I don't want you to just to go to church anymore. I don't want you to just to go to church. I, I think if we're going to see something that only God can get the credit for and, and see lives that's changed and, and see fruit happen everywhere around us, You got to throw these away. You have to be the church where you walk, where you live, where you play, at home. And just know that there's something new happening every single day. And so for inside here, as we go along that way, I know there's many ways that you can start being the church. And if you're curious what that means, I would love to share with you. But man, there's some children in Kidsville that would just love to be loved on today. That, 
There's some ways that you can serve in the nest and in the living room. Man, thank God for living room. They're kicking it off tonight. They're doing something that's crazy for our community. They're doing something different. They're not just coming to church. They're doing something that radically impacts teenagers and their walk, where they're at, where they live, and where they play. Our love loud nows as we go out and just change the landscape of Danville and our surrounding communities. Even next week when we see overcomers in a baseball field where we're coming along special needs and cheering them on and just watching, dressing up as a superhero. Come on, how exciting is that, y'all? Seeing what we can do is just be the church. You go out and have fun. Lunch on us. Some of you don't even know what that means, but we're going to start loving on some college students every single day after church on Sundays across the street. We just want them to come into a safe place that's for them. It's designed for them. Some of you are like, what does that mean? Maybe you're going to have to cook some food for us. Cupcakes. Everybody loves cupcakes. But did you know that some kids never get a cupcake for their birthday? They don't even get recognition of their birthday. And so starting in September, every single kid that's in middle school grades is sixth through eighth grade in both bait and middle boil, hopefully will begin a journey called Cupcake Love, where we're making sure that every single kid on their birthday gets a cupcake. Matter of fact, they get two. Some of them eat both of them, but hopefully the goal is to share one away. Maybe it's first impressions team. Maybe it's just loving on somebody. Maybe it's worship. Maybe you got something so just hidden away that you got a skill set that you've never even used. Or maybe it's the prayer team that we, we, we want to take that prayer and that praise the next level. And we want to start devoting ourselves to this because we trust that when we plant that seed, it will grow deep and wide and it changes lives. And there's so many, 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 many more things that we're doing. But I'm just going to ask you this one question to wrap this up. That if we're going to be planted and we're going to be the church and love's going to be the center of it, then what, we've asked this question before, what does love require of me then? If I'm going to be the church and I'm going to change lives, what does love require of you? And when you answer that question, When you answer that question, you will be planted firmly into some good soil. And I guarantee you will flourish. You will begin to see fruit and you will grow old in your ripe age and you'll look back and say, wow, that's utterly amazing because that was not my plans. That is God and God alone. And what he can do is 10 times greater than what you can do. And so what does love require of you? I can't answer it for you. But like we talked about this morning, I would love to partner with you and intertwine and grow together and watch what God does next. Love will build something, but we got to move. We got to move from being just a seed and go plant something that can change lives, that change lives. We're going to sing a song called New Wine. I believe God's doing something new. I truly believe that. But you got to move. And I've challenged some people this morning just to move. Altars open. There's going to be some people moving. I pray that you just, just respond and you just move because when we see movement, we see him in the presence of us. 
He asks us not just to go and sit, but he asks us to go make disciples, go and move, create movement. Acts 1.8, you'll be my witness. He didn't, didn't say just sit there on a log. He said, go. So I'm asking you to move. I'm asking you just to breathe in and trust the Holy Spirit in a way this morning that, that changes your life. So God, in the midst of that, we trust you. And I'm asking you right now to do something only you will get the credit for. We're getting ready to sing a song. We trust you with that. But Father, as we just lean into this song and we trust you, move us. Move us, Father. What does love require of me this morning? Allow us all to answer that. May we get on our knees just asking. May we, may the first step is surrendering and getting to that point of, of complete humility, which is on our knees asking God, what is it? What is it, Father? And maybe it's the first time just to say, I'm all in. God, I don't even know you. I've been going to church my entire life. I've been just playing this game. No wonder I haven't seen any fruit. No wonder nothing has ever done anything. No wonder I'm completely burned out every step of the way. Father, I pray that we move. God, I just pray that we move and we begin to flourish. Father, may we flourish in your name. And along the way, we get to see what love builds.